When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. On SEM, your home of sport. Time on with Jack Everett. On a day where Brad Crouch asks the Crows to make him a saint. And another domino of the trade period starts to fall. Hello and welcome. It's grand final week here on Time On. Coming up this hour, Nick Del Santo to join me in about 25 minutes from now. We'll have a good chat about the way that both teams have been playing this year, both Richmond and Geelong. What do they need to do to win again in the grand final? And how do the opposition go about turning them off their game plans? That's still to come. And the Wednesday night hot topic, as it has been all through the final series, tell me the player that's most important for the weekend's game. Wednesday the 21st of October as we start to wind down the day and get one day closer to the big, big grand final between the Tigers and the Cats. My name's Jack Everin. It's a great day to be alive. Great to be with you. Really looking forward to spending a lot of time this hour talking about the grand final. one 736 736 to join me on the phone. You can find me on the temper text as well. A temper mattress is a mattress like no other. 0433 98 11 16. So Brad Crouch, the story of the day. There'd been discussions about him for quite some time. You think back to last year with Brad Crouch where he was very nearly a Gold Coast son and it just didn't quite get over the line in the end. He goes and has a, I would have said a reasonable season at Adelaide but has an indiscretion at the end of the year, which was very, very disappointing and happened at the wrong time of year from his point of view. It may have taken, uh, may have clipped 100, 150,000 off his paycheck, I think, because of that. Um, The fact that he played in a team in Adelaide that, that struggled for a fair chunk of the season, that probably had a fair bit to do with it as well. But the moral of the story for Brad Crouch is that he wants to be with St Kilda in 2021. To me, it's a good pickup. If you've got some thoughts on Brad Crouch, Saints fans or otherwise, otherwise one three hundred seven three six seven three six. It's good inside strength. Um, he's a he's an accumulator. He's a ball winner. Um, he's not the most damaging. If you want to look at if meters gained is important to you, and and you know that sort of style of game plan is important to you, then Brad Crouch is not the best player when it comes to that. But he will find the footy. He'll win it in tight. He'll win contested ball, and I, I think it's a good one for the Saints. So they've got to get a deal done, but uh, well done on them. They don't like using the term destination club all that often because I reckon it's become a bit of a throwaway line. But 
Um, the Saints have now got history that says they were able to get five away from other clubs to play for them this year. And Brad Crouch, he wants to be a Saint next year as well. So great pickup. Other news as well from an Adelaide point of view today. Not a great one. Kyle Hartigan is also on the way out. This was discussed and his name had been bandied around across the year. I reckon our very own Sam Edmund might have been the first one to put Kyle Hardigan up as a possibility. He wants to be at Hawthorne next year. So with James Frawley retiring, Hawks wanting to add a bit of strength to their back half, it, um, it, it will it will be a deal that would be pretty straightforward, you suspect, and won't take it too much thrashing out, I would imagine. So good pick up for the Hawks. Just a good, solid, handy citizen, Kyle Hardigan. Alan Christensen has retired this afternoon as well. This has come through in the last hour or so. 133 games, part of Geelong's 2011 flag, and then... Went to Brisbane, unfortunately, for a variety of reasons. Mostly his body, it just didn't work. He just couldn't quite get himself on the park often enough. So he retires and will always be remembered as a premiership player. The West Coast Eagles to list five today. Most rookies or most very inexperienced players. Hamish Brayshaw, uh, the most likely name of the lot. So that's the one that will stand out if you see those names on the list. And I reckon we're probably all still reeling a little bit. I reckon the Blues will be reeling today from Stephen Silvani on Breakfast with Gary and Tim. If you haven't caught this interview, I would strongly suggest you download the podcast, take a listen. Um, so I think they had sauce for 15 minutes in the end. I think they got 45 out of him. They were just delving through that much good stuff that they just kept going and going and going. Um, it's well worth a listen. I, I didn't catch it live this morning, but I did listen on the way up. And uh, yeah, he doesn't miss many on the way through. I'll share a bit of that with you a bit later on in the hour. Other news from across the day. Steel Prince wins the Geelong Cup, which now means entry into the Melbourne Cup. Jai McNeil rode beautifully today at Geelong to make that happen. And to cricket news, Muhammad Nabi will return to the Melbourne Renegades. And in Sheffield Shield... It's now started to get very, very interesting in the two Sheffield Shield games. South Australia bowled out for 195 in their first innings. I spoke about this last night on the show that they were disappointing. Tasmania, eight declared for 493. So they've made the most of the conditions. Jake Doran made a really, really good ton. Tasmania have been very patient with him. Um, A young man that originally from New South Wales has all the potential in the world, but kind of just didn't take that next step or hadn't been taking that next step. This is a really, really big step for him. He needed to have a good year and he's had a good start to the year, 112. And the Aussie skipper, Tim Payne, who doesn't get too many opportunities or hasn't in the last few years to play domestic cricket, made 111 not out from 201 deliveries and was just really, really good. Batted far too well for for anything that South Australia threw at him. South Australia won for 67 in return. Uh, Jake Weatherall was dismissed by Nathan Ellis for 10. Henry Hunt, 37, not out. And Brad Davis, 17, not out. In the other Sheffield Shield game, I reckon for 18 months I've been saying, remember the name. And I'm not the only one, so I'm not going to claim it as my own. But I've been saying for 18 months, remember the name of Cameron Green. This is a young, talented, all-round cricketer who is very, very special. Adam Voges, coach of WA, has shown faith in Cameron Green by putting him up to number four to start this Sheffield Shield season. He'd been batting sort of around the the 6-7 mark last season. He goes up to number four and makes a stunning, a stunning 162 not out. Smash New South Wales bowlers everywhere. And this attack includes Trent Copeland, who's played test cricket. Sean Abbott, who's played international cricket at short form level. Harry Conway, Nathan Lyon, who's the GOAT. And he just took care of him. 
Cameron Green. It was for all those who were watching it on, on Foxtel or KO or the Cricket Australia live stream, all I've seen all afternoon, a tweets about how good Cameron Green was. So remember the name. I don't know that he barges his way into the test team, but I do get the feeling that in some form, whether it's red ball cricket or white ball cricket, I do get the feeling that Cameron Green will play for Australia before the end of this summer. So remember the name. He's a very, very talented cricketer and hopefully very much a long-term prospect for Australian cricket. one 736 to join me on the phone. 0433-981116 on the text. We'll get stuck into our hot topic very shortly, but I did mention Brad Crouch's name off the top. If you've got some thoughts on Brad Crouch, I'd love to hear from you. Saints fans, how do you feel about him deciding that he wants to be at Moorabbin next year? How do you think he fits into your team? Crows supporters, are you disappointed? And if you're neither of those two, but you're just an observer of the game and you see Brad Crouch, what do you see him as? What do you see him for? And how do you see this pickup? Greg's in Blackburn. Hello, Greg. G'day, buddy. Um, firstly, I heard that soft interview this morning. It was, it was unbelievable. It was fantastic. Um, I had a game of golf today, nine holes. Oh. With this COVID, how the simple things in life really mean a lot, whether it be looking at a sunset or looking at a rainbow or playing a golf game of golf. So... That's got to redirect my thoughts. Crouch is going to be a fabulous pickup for St Kilda, but my, my call was about everybody's saying, you know, his indiscretion at the end of the year is going to cost him 100, 150 grand a year. And I'm sure we've all had indiscretions. So are they saying that he goes to St Kilda and they say, oh, we would have paid you 700, but because you're in discretion, you're only worth 600,000? So where's that come from? Who said that? Well, I think what it does, Greg, is it just gives him a little bit, and his manager, it gives him a little bit less bargaining power when it comes to this sort of stuff because it's, it is it is a misdemeanor. And as you say, we all have had them along the way, and he certainly isn't the first and won't be the last professional athlete to do that as well. It's just it's ammunition that you give the club who you want to go to that you don't really need to give them. They can say, oh, well, this is a bit of a concern, so we, we can just clip a little bit off. I'm not saying Brad Crouch has gone from being, I don't know, let's call it 650, let's call it 650, 700,000. Um, let's, I'm not saying he now goes to 250, 300,000, but it may be a little haircut along the way. It's just the moral of the story, it is, it was a bad mistake to make at a bad time of the year, but it's all worked out okay for Brad Crouch because he's found himself a home next year, which is fabulous. Greg, thank you for your call. And I tell you what, I'm very jealous of you playing golf. I'm hoping that the weather's okay and I can squeeze out on Friday. I haven't had a chance to have a hit yet, and I'm sure I'll have about 190 for 18 holes, but I don't care. I don't care if I lose 50 balls. I don't care. It'll all be worth it. Will's in Strathmerton. G'day, Will. G'day, Jack. How are you, mate? I'm good. I know you well, anyway. Um, yeah, I would have loved um, Crouch at the Bombers, but um, obviously they didn't want to play for him or he's something that we need. Um, bit of hardness, pretty handy kicking goals. We need a goal kicking midfielder. None of ours seem to want to have the nuts to take it on. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm dumbfounded why Essendon didn't really make a case for him. It's um, he would have fitted nicely. I still think there's a bit of speed that the Bombers um will need to add, um and. I think that Brad Crouch is probably not that. He, he's not a plotter, but he's not the he's not the sort of that breakout speed that you would want. It, I guess any time of year, and 
Collingwood fall into this category with Jeremy Cameron. So they, they would be, Collingwood supporters would be experiencing maybe something similar to what you are right now, Will. They would have been super keen to get Jeremy Cameron to their club. They would have thought they were right in the hunt. And they probably would have thought, Collingwood fans, the longer this goes on, the better chance they were. Jeremy Cameron, though, has decided to choose Geelong. And with that, from a Collingwood point of view, you think, gee, we were so close. And, and maybe there's a bit of that. I can hear it in your voice. And maybe there's a bit of that there with Essendon as well. That They thought they were in the hunt for Brad Crouch and uh, he wants to be at St Kilda next year. It is, I sort of touched on this before and, and had a bit of a gag about the term destination club. It is a, a big endorsement for St Kilda. You think back three years ago, and I'll talk to Nick Del Santo about this in about 20 minutes from now. You think back a few years ago and recruiting players in their prime and at their peak was not something that they were really able to do a lot of for a certain period of time. And with that comes success and wins and losses that generally dictates a lot of it. But yeah, I, I think if you're a Saints supporter, I, I think you just, you'd have to be so pleased with the direction of your club. You've got a, f- a fabulous coach, just a great human in Brett Ratton leading the way. You're well led with Simon Lethlian and, James Gallagher taking care of a lot of the list management decisions. They've made really, really good ones in the last couple of years. So there's a couple of ticks there. Jaron Geary's a great captain and the playing list is assembled. Things are looking up for the Saints and it's through hard work and it's through good decisions and smart brains all getting together and making those decisions. And now it's starting to really pay off. Let's go to Dan in Geelong. one 736 736 to join me here on Time On. G'day, Dan. Yeah, g'day. Just querying um, who you think has got the upper hand in the um, Cameron deal for Geelong, whether or not um, GWS are going to play you know, hard, hard ball and maybe even make him stay there for the extra extra year or whatnot, um, just to prove a bit of a point, um, or whether yeah, a player wants to go, it's going to happen sort of thing. I think if you're asking me for the upper hand, I think it is the Giants because Jeremy Cameron has nominated Geelong. So when a player nominates a club like Jeremy Cameron has, and a bit like Brad Crouch, it's the same sort of situation there. When the player nominates the club, it, it does it does put a bit of pressure on that club, i.e. Geelong in this case, to get it done. And Stephen Silvani spoke today when he spoke to Gary and Tim about Eddie Betts and, and trying to get that deal done and, and Mitch McGovern amongst others. But the Cats have got to find a way to get this done because you can imagine what the conversation looks like. If we fast forward from here to three and a half weeks from now, you get to the end of the trade period and let's say Geelong can't get a deal done for Jeremy Cameron and, and Jeremy Cameron ends up in a preseason draft or, or elsewhere. Cats fans will be, there won't be enough lines on the board here at SEN from Cats fans ringing in saying, how did we get this wrong? How did we not get Jeremy Cameron? So it puts pressure on, Geelong to get it done. The Giants, to my eye, hold the the hand here, hold a better hand because they've got a player who wants to leave. They're not talking him around. It it appears very, very unlikely that they're going to talk him around from here. And I think if you hear Jason McCartney, when he spoke to the boys on Brecky yesterday, Dave Matthews, their CEO, has spoken in the media in the last few days. They've accepted that Jeremy Cameron's going. They hold the hand now because they will do what they need to do to get the best deal possible. So they can push Geelong all the way. They've said two first rounders as a minimum. I think Dave Matthews said, well, if there's two first rounds for Adam Trelaw and Dylan Shear, well, Jeremy Cameron's probably a better player than them and key forwards are hard to find. So, yeah, this is this is Geelong's deal to get done now. And this is really 
the Giants deal to sit back and just try and maximise and get the most of. You can't replace a player like Jeremy Cameron directly, but what you can do is try and make a, a good decision for the future of your club. And, and whether that's draft picks, that may be a player or two along the way. That might be the way that the whole thing sort of starts to slide together is that the Giants, through some of their losses, might see someone, i.e. Asava Radagalia, who fits the bill perfectly. And to have him and Braden Pruce on the list at the same time, they might think that that makes sense. So I reckon the Giants are the one here that they'll be commanding the best deal and, and they can try and find a way to force it to happen. Uh, Bob, uh, John, sorry, Bob's in Ashwood, I think it is. G'day, Bob. G'day, Jay. How are you? I'm good. Um, could you tell me, please, if there's a grand final parade this Friday up in Brisbane, and if there is, was it televised down here? Now, I will do my very best to find this out for you. I must admit, I haven't taken too much notice of whether there is or not because it's it's not in Melbourne, and I'm not sulking or anything like that, obviously. I know that it's it's got a different home uh, this year, but uh, there is a, a bit of a footy festival by the looks of it that um, that we're going to see in Queensland, which is great. Um, I will have a little bit more of a look into it though, Bob, and see exactly if there is a grand final parade. I'll have a good look into what it all looks like and what time it all starts and whether it's going to be televised and all that sort of stuff. one 736 736 on the phone. 433 981116 to join me on the text. Mark and John, do me a favour and stay there. I'll get to you on the other side of this. More of your calls and more of your text as well on the most important players from Saturday's grand final. We've done this every Wednesday during the final series. We've spoken about the players that are of the most importance for their teams. Well, now we're down to two. So tell me about those players. I'm going to talk about Noah Bolter very shortly as well. You with Jack Everett on Time On. On SEN, your home of sport. Time On with Jack Everett. Yeah, do you do you need to have the whole fixture laid out for the whole year? Does it that that for me is I think we've been able to see the benefit of having um, some agility on that. So all that'll be worked through. So there's no conclusions in that. But I do I do I think it's incumbent upon everyone to see what it what, what should be taken out of it this year and, and, and we can't as a matter of course just go back exactly the same. Welcome back to Time On. I thought that was a very interesting takeaway from the CEO of the AFL's chat with Jared this morning that Flexible fixturing is very much an option for next year. I personally have liked it. I understand the logistical side of things. I understand that it's hard for supporters. How do you book a trip if you don't know where your team's playing? If you say you want to go into state and you're a Essendon supporter and you know that your team's going to play in Queensland once this year and you want to tie it in with family, when are you going to do it and all that sort of stuff? I understand those challenges, but I also think putting the best games in the best slots is is really important for not only for the growth of the game, for broadcast numbers, obviously, as well. But if you, if you sit down to watch a Friday night game, you, you want to have a fair idea that you're going to see a, a cracker of a Friday game. If you Thursday nights next year, I reckon, are going to become more important than they ever have been before. And they're, they're rating really well, so they're here to stay. There's, a I guess, the onus on the competition in many ways to make sure that there's a, a decent fixture, that it's worth watching. So... A lot of things in, in the world, not just footy, but a lot of things in the world have changed in 2020, and some of them are here to stay. And I get the sense that 
flexible fixturing or fixturing sort of six to eight weeks in advance, I think you're going to see a fair bit more of it. Just on the AFL, we had a call before the break asking if there's a grand final parade in Queensland this year. There's not. I've gone away and just had a, a quick look during the break um, due to COVID restrictions and due to some of the obvious risks as well. There'll be none of that happening. So unfortunately, even for those listening in Victoria, you won't be able to sit back on Friday uh, and enjoy a grand final parade. It just makes next year's even more important. John's in Norwood, wants to have a chat about Brad Crouch. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to join me. Hello, John. How you going, Jack? Yeah, thanks for taking me call. Uh, Brad Crouch, yeah, I don't reckon he's worth seven hundred plus you know, he doesn't he doesn't hurt you, you know. Look, he only got one brown low vote this year. Mm. I know he won a best and Ferris a couple of years ago, carrying a bit of injury, so I don't reckon Adelaide will match their offer because he's not worth that. And uh, I, rec- I don't know if he's lost a strike. This is the problem here. When they mess around with that stuff, they're supposed to get a strike. So we wouldn't know how many strikes he's got left. No, we, do, no, we, do, we don't even know if he's... And we can't speculate on something like that, John. I, I hear what you're saying, but he, we don't even know if there was any sort of sanction like that handed down in the first place. Um, I, I said last night on the show, I would have loved to have seen Brad Crouch stay... At Adelaide, and I thought it would have been in the Crows' benefit to keep him. Um, but one thing I do agree with you on is I don't think they'll match that offer. They'll they'll now try and maximise what they can get. They'll um, do a deal that's I would imagine in pretty good faith with the Saints. I can't see Adelaide being hard to deal with in this instance. So um, it's about the Crows. I mean, they're, they're very much on a, on trying to build up and get youngsters back into their team and try and do it that way. So I think draft picks and or even a, maybe a player or two that are out of favour at the Saints. Someone like a Luke Dunstan, his name's come up a couple of times off the text that perhaps that's a, a direction they might look at as well. Luke Dunstan, a South Australian player originally. Let's talk about the grand final. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to join me on the phone. Nick Del Santo in 10 minutes from now, or less than 10 minutes from now. But Talk to me about a couple of the players that you think are most important in this grand final on the weekend. Robert's in Thornbury, a mad Richmond man. Hello, Robert. Uh, g'day, Jack. Love your show, mate. As per usual, uh, you mentioned five most important players for each side. I'm just going to roll off a few uh, few from the wrong side. Mitch Duncan, Tom Hawkins, Paddy Dangerfield. I think Harry Taylor's very important in this game. And I also think Zach Tui is potentially an X factor in the sense that Without him firing on all cylinders, I feel like Geelong's game uh, breaks down a fair bit. And for the Richmond side of things, obviously, Dustin Martin, uh, Shy Bolton, mm. Tom Lynch, Dylan Grimes. And I feel like a player playing off the half-back line like a Liam Baker is just so pivotal to the contest and the way that Richmond rebound from defensive 50. So there's a couple of obvious ones in there and a couple of ones I've sort of gone on the borderline. But... Uh, those are my top five most influential plays as these sides will stack up on Saturday afternoon. Oh, I reckon you've ticked a few boxes there, Robert. Appreciate your call. And you're right to go with someone like a Liam Baker. Um, so often we see in grand finals that you expect your best players to play well and you expect your best players to have a massive influence on the game. And I've no doubt that Dusty will. I've no doubt that Patrick Dangerfield will. I'm certain that Tom Lynch will be well and truly up for this game. Tom Hawkins, etc. But a guy like Liam Baker, a guy like a, even a Sam Simpson, who there was a, a really nice article written today in the Herald Sun about his journey. Sometimes it's the bottom eight players who are as important, if not more important, in a grand final. You just can't afford to have any passages. You can't afford to carry anyone. 
every single player has got to play a role and, and find a way to have an impact on grand final day. And a guy like Liam Baker is a, a really, really good example of that. More of your calls a little bit later on. one 736 736 or 0433-98-1116 on the temper text. A couple of suggestions for players who will have an influence. This one, I like Mark Blitzarves, his ability to play multiple positions from wing to back line to forward to midfield. And likewise, Noah Bolter. He could end up being a similar player. He is a brute. We might talk a bit more about Noah Bolter and a lot about the way that Saturday's grand final will be played when Nick Del Santo joins me next on Time On. On SEM, your home of sport. Time On with Jack Everett. No, he's, he's got a cold. Um, uh, and, and I think, uh, you know, being, and I'm not a doctor and I shouldn't be uh, making any, any sort of comment really, but, but he's just got a cold. And, uh, you know, he's amongst lots and lots of kids over the pines. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I think the, the, probably there's, there's been a cold that's been spread by a couple of the people there. And he unfortunately has got it, but he'll be fine. We're expecting him to train tonight. Um, uh, this is our large major session tonight at 5.30 here. Uh, we had, had an open session yesterday and uh, Tom wasn't at that one. He's, he was isolated until he gets a bit better. Um, but he, he'll be fine. There is no issue with uh, with Tom. Cat CEO Brian Cook talking to Dwayne Russell today. Tom Hawkins, good to go. As you heard, the Cats have got their main session. In fact, it'll be going on just about now. It would have just about started. So barring any last-minute injuries and fingers crossed that all of the boys get through uh, with no issues whatsoever, it looks like a nice day in Queensland. Just seeing on the screens here from Fox Sports. That'll be the last hit out for the Cats. And Tom Hawkins will be very much available. He looms large, needless to say, not just for his physical presence, but for how important he is for the Cats. How will this game be played and what does it all look like? Nick Del Santo has been good enough to join me tonight. Part of our AFL Nation commentary team, one of the sharpest brains in footy. And he understands this week. He's been here. He's been in this week a few times before and knows the the highs and the lows and the ins and the outs of how to approach grand final week. Dal, appreciate your time, mate. Good evening, Jack. Lovely to be on the program. Hey, um, we're just talking about Tom Hawkins there. I want to ask you about his potential opponent, Noah Bolter. Now, I first remember the name Noah Bolter, I reckon about three years ago, you said to me, there's just, there's something about this kid. He's he's absolutely as green as grass, but there's something yeah. athletic about this kid that he could make it long term. Tell us about the first time you came across Noah Bolter. Yeah, he's an interesting case, isn't he? So let's go back to when I first crossed paths with him. I'm not saying that I discovered him or have any claims <laughs> at all, but... I was very fortunate to do some work with the Australian um, AFL Academy team. So basically the Australian under-17 team, which he was a part of. So it's pretty much the best 36-odd kids in the country that are about to get drafted. And he was a part of it. And in some ways, what you see from him right now is exactly what he was like going back three or four years ago. He was rangy. He was random at times. Jack, to be honest, like he just did things that you thought, oh my God, like this guy is just incredible. But then he'd also do something you think, oh, I don't know if many players at this age, you know, are trying that particular kick or are trying to mark it when you're in a defensive position. So you could always see the athleticism. He just looked like he just needed some structure in his football game. And I mean, even go back to last year where he had a couple of opportunities earlier this year where he probably sort of cemented his position a lot more. And you'd see glimpses of brilliance. And you thought, oh, my God. Like, and he's obviously being compared to Alex Rance, but he could be the next Alex Rance. But within that, you've also got to take a little bit of good with the bad. And, and the bad could be the ball use at times, could be him running off really aggressively. But if you just isolate the last month, 
he's hardly put a foot wrong. I mean, he's yeah. an incredible player. He's got all the physical attributes which we love in key defenders. You know, he's fast, he's evasive, he's got great closing speed. And like many of the great defenders, Jack, he's got these go-go gadget arms that just somehow <laughs> when you think, oh, he's not going to quite get there, his arm extends another metre and a half outside of his body line and somehow he just gets a fist in there. But the one thing that I I hope people recognise with players like him and always mention when they speak about him is his competitiveness. So, you know, the Tigers picked him up. I don't know if he was end of the first round or maybe just the start of the second, but... His number one quality I would expect when they were looking at Noah Bolter as a junior was this young kid just has a crack. He's just prepared to go to the well time and time again and put his body on the line, and he just does not want to lose. And I think that's just one of the greatest qualities of any AFL player, but in particular, a key defender. I was going to say, in, in particular, a key defender when you're playing on the opposition's biggest forward like a Tom Hawkins, because every contest is a fight, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, the most dangerous thing about being a defender is if you clearly make a mistake, it's a tangible result. It's a score against you. So it's really easy for us to sit back and be able to judge you because we can see if, you know, Tom Hawkins, for example, kicks a goal or if he doesn't kick a goal based on one particular moment in the game. But within that, I mean, the courage and his development already to not be intimidated by guys that are bigger than him, for him to take the body position or the ground position that he thinks is best. You can't say that about a lot of guys because the easy option would be to play back shoulder and to just back in being a little bit quicker than your opponent. But he doesn't do that. He plays his percentages. It's not everybody's percentages. He (laughs) plays his percentages nearly every single time. He'll come forward when he has to. He'll mark the ball when you think he might be in a position that he should punch. But I think we're all jumping on board the excitement of this young guy because he's growing before our our eyes and he has this year. He's been exceptional. Nick Del Santo joining me tonight here on Time On. All things rolling towards Saturday's grand final. Del, the Cats have really made a happy knack in this final series and and for a lot of the year, but particularly in the final series, we've seen their possession game work so well for them. It dismantled Collingwood. They maintain the footy, kick mark, kick mark, kick mark and, and tire Collingwood out by defending. And then... Against Brisbane, they were plus 65 in disposals, plus the best part of 21 in handballs, and their inside 50 numbers were much higher as well. That possession game has served them so well this year, hasn't it? It has. And, I mean, the first question is, do they play that same style again this weekend? I, I think that is their, that's their 101. That is their baseline style of football. And it's been theirs for it almost feels like a decade, to be honest with you, Jack. Like, we go back to probably Bomber Thompson time, they were the team that evolved and changed the disposal game where the numbers just went through the roof and they had the kamikaze handball off the half-back line. So they've been the leaders in this particular style of game. I mean, they do it at GMHBA Stadium. When you think there is no space, they still continue to play this game. So I see this weekend not changing one bit, even though they are coming up against a team in the Tigers that just prey on turnover. They just encourage you to think that you can handball through their defence and they turn it over and ultimately probably ram it back down your throat. But I can't see either team thinking that they're going to change anything different to who they've been this year and for previous years. But that, that short game, and then the other one is, I guess, the conditions. You know, it's meant to be slippery, dewy, rainy, stormy. It, it has never phased them. You know, they've got exceptional skills. I, I think their, their balance of, uh, amongst their plays in regards to skill level is as good as anybody else in the comp, hence why they can play that style of game. And I don't see it being any different this weekend. But I think if you're Damien Hardwick, 
and your Richmond, you'd be speaking about it and say, hey, this is our opportunity. We want them to think that they can get through our defence and then it's up to their team defence just to be able to sit back and just pick the right moment to try and turn it over. But it's high risk, high reward. Yeah. That's the current game. I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to ask you what it looks like if plan A breaks down. So if Richmond... Yes. If Richmond, and this, I know these are all hypotheticals and we're talking about a grand final, but if Richmond are good enough to put enough pressure on where Geelong are starting to be hurried and they can't go with the, the sort of game plan we were talking about, what does plan B look like for the Cats? Well, one thing that the Cats have done in recent years is they go wide out of defence. So I don't expect that to be any different. But what that allows you to do, and if you do go a little bit slower and you speak about the high um, kick mark game, it actually allows you to set up your defence behind the football. So it gives you some sort of protection, but it allows your defenders to find their direct opponent, to have an extra behind the football, whatever their setup may be. But that is a great question, Jack, and that is one thing that we need to see how it plays out, because when the Cats have been stifled a little bit with their ball use, and we go to the game where they played the Tigers this year, it looked different. And with the really good teams, you can see the difference quite clearly, I think, when they don't get exactly what they want. But I think what we need to appreciate with both of these teams is their plan B, C and D is also really good. So it might be, you know, with the conditions, it might be more longer kicks down the line and they might play for yardage and then have the talls down the line, for example, and then just back in their small half forwards and midfielders just to get to the front and just take the yardage. And hopefully the game's a beautiful looking game, Mm. you know, on the eye that we can sit back and go, gee, this is just great passages of the play. But playing against the Cats going back quite a while, they're happy to play hard, dirty, hard-nosed football, whatever the terminology you want to use. They've got other gears as well. So I wouldn't be shocked if they had to change gears and still have a positive outcome. Are you expecting any tags? But both of these midfields all year long and their coaches have said, no, no, we back our system. It's our midfield versus anyone else's. So will we get that? Will we just get one-on-ones on the weekend? Or do you think that someone will get a role on someone? You're trying to rev me up here, aren't you? No one plays on anyone anymore, Jack. No one has know, played on anyone I know how to years. push your buttons. You know that. <laughs> it's, uh, this is sort of another conversation, and you and I are lighthearted about this, but there's never a better time in AFL history to be a young, up-and-coming ball winner that can read the play and run well because no one goes near you. It's a beautiful game, this one, at the moment. Um <laughs> I, I think, so let's just speak about a couple of the key players, first of all. So the, the obvious answer is Dusty Martin and probably Dangerfield on the other side of the field. I, I don't expect them to go a genuine tag. The days of you know Cameron Ling and Kane Corns and some of the best taggers of the modern era, I don't see that happening. And I don't think that anyone on either side probably has the capability without practicing it for a period of time to execute it. But what I would love to see, and I hope this happens on the weekend, that no matter where Dusty is or Danger is, they always have somebody on them. Yep. Now, that doesn't mean that they are tagged. It doesn't mean that they're not part of the team defence and ultimately taking the most dangerous player. But what we saw from Dusty last week, and I get, man, to be honest, it's probably the last three or four years. It, it still staggers me that they can run around with that amount of space. I, would, I think they just should have mechanisms defensively that if Dusty's in the midfield, they have a priority player that goes to him. And as soon as they go forward, you hand him over. You don't let him run free. You hand him over to a preferred defender. And probably the same with Dangerfield. But obviously the complication with Danger and Dusty as well is how good they are as just genuine key forwards. But 
No, I don't see a genuine tag to answer your question, but I'd love to see a little bit more accountability and responsibility from an opposition player. Who's winning this game? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I, I love the question because I honestly don't have a genuine answer for you, and I'm not saying that because I'm trying to sit on the fence. I think this is as good a 50-50 yep. flip of the coin that we've had for years because of... Like, sorry, to, you know, without going on for too long, but last year it was an inexperienced Giants team coming up against what we know is a hardened premiership team of years gone by. These two teams are so similar. These two teams, age-wise, game-played-wise, finals experience-wise, are so similar. That's why I think it's going to be a ripping game. Oh, I just can't see any team, you know, in old terms, not turning up, not bringing the right mentality, not bringing their A game, because they're far too experienced for that. So, oh, with no confidence at all, I'll say the Tigers. Yeah, I'm, I, I know I'm one of plenty that are finding it really, really hard to split at the moment. <laughs> Dal, thanks for letting us pick your brain. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time tonight. Always good talking to you. Appreciate Nick, it. Nick Del Santo, our man. From SEN, from AFL Nation, with his thoughts on the grand final. Tomorrow night, we'll do nearest to the pin. And I'm really, really looking forward to that. There's something on the other side of this that I'm extremely excited about that I want to tell you about. Something that you'll hear tomorrow night on SEN. Plus, we'll catch up with some of the other stuff from across the day, including a few of the grenades that Stephen Silvani lobbed over the fence. You with time on? On SEN, your home of sport. Time on with Jack Heverin. Right as it stands at the minute, and Mitch is a great guy, and I think he's got a lot of lot of talent. Um, I think Mitch was a better player at Adelaide than he was here, than he has been at Carlton. And that's through, I guess, a bit of his own fault in terms of the way he prepares and, and gets up for training each week. But... Um, I just feel as though that the club hasn't done he, him any favours because they've played him when he's been unfit and out of form. Um, Did you want him? You wanted him desperately yeah, yeah. at the time? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, 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 we needed to get a play through the club as well. Um, and I see him, he's got some X factor. Um, and particularly with probably the key forwards we've got there, he'd be something um, from left field that would be really hard to match up on, particularly with the with Charlie and, and, and also Harry up forward. Oh, I thought Mitch would be the one that could get out on the loop a little bit. Um, but having said that, he's he's probably hasn't delivered. Um, he needs to get moving a bit because he has got talent. Um, but for what we've, we've um, what we got him in the club for and I guess what he's getting paid, um, he needs to get moving. Has he got an attitude? Like, has he got a problem with his professionalism, do you think? No, I don't think so. I don't think... I just think that he's been given a bit of a free ride at the minute. And if you have a look at his form this year... Um, and I'm only being... This is just my opinion. Yes. I think he's been very, very lucky to play a lot of football this year. That was one of a number of fascinating things that Stephen Silvani, the former list manager of the Giants... And the Blues and a legend of the Carlton Football Club as well had to say this morning with Gary and Tim. As I mentioned off the top of the show tonight, if you haven't caught the interview or you only caught little snippets of it, it's worth listening from top to bottom. And his discussion about Mitch McGovern was one of a number of things that that really caught my attention when I was listening to it. That hasn't worked. There's just no other way of hiding it. That hasn't worked. And it's through 
injury and through Mitch McGovern just not getting a kick. Last year, 16 games for 11 goals. This year, 12 games for nine goals and one game after round, uh, one goal after round seven. Um, there were a couple of moments. I thought his game against the Bulldogs. I remember that game and I thought, oh yeah, that's not too bad. That's this is a bit more like it. Um, he's and his last six games of the year were all single figure disposals and you know one or two marks here or there. So um, they got some work to do. He's got some work to do, Mitch McGovern, to retain a spot with Carlton, let alone you know command the sort of money that's out there at the moment. But as I mentioned. It's genuinely worth downloading the podcast and, and taking a, a very, very good listen. News coming through tonight via The Age. They're reporting that Ben Brown has met virtually with Melbourne. That's what we have to do in these COVID times. They'd be discussing everything over Zoom. Imagine if we had to said that 12 months ago. Um, and that report is that it's getting stronger and stronger, the interest. It does make you wonder where Tom McDonald sits in the scheme of things now. It does make you wonder whether... Um, there is, in fact, a home for him at Melbourne next year. I still wonder why he can't go back to defence. They're, they're pretty well settled down there with Lever and May. But why can't Tom McDonald, which was where I thought he played his best footy, except for the 2018 year where he was a revelation as a forward and kicked 50-odd goals, but he was still a very, very good defender. Why can't he go back there? couple off the text to finish off. 0433981116. How bloody good is it to be able to watch Shield Cricket live on Fox? Um, Justin Langer has been watching at home, finishing his quarantine. Cam Green is about to launch and put the pressure on if his body holds out. That, that's the big if with Cam Green, and I spoke about him off the top of the show tonight. He is one of the next big things in Australian cricket. He's not bowling at the moment. So I class him as an all-rounder, and I'm calling him an all-rounder, and he is. He's just not bowling at this stage. It looks as though sooner rather than later that he will, but... As we've seen from this Shield game, and not just this Shield game, from plenty, he's got all the capabilities in the world. He may decide that bowling's not that important to him. He may just focus on his batting, but uh, he's, a, he's a fabulous young cricketer. 21 years old, fourth first-class century. He's got a big, bright future. Tomorrow night, I'm really looking forward to an hour with Plough. Terry Wallace bows out at the end of this AFL season. 8 o'clock tomorrow night. I spend an hour with the great man. I look forward to your company then and the match committee tomorrow night. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.